Hope everyone is doing well, and whether we are gathered here in this place or whether we are gathering virtually, we do uh, understand that we are called to gather to worship God. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. Um, new members class will be next Saturday morning at nine o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. We'll be able to um, distance down there, and it'll take a few hours down there, and then we'll set up a time to meet with the session after that. Um, Actually, that's the only announcement I had. Were there any other announcements? We want to say thank you to the ladies and to everyone who helped out with Gwen's meals this week. Um, Still smells good down there in the kitchen. So thank you very much for all the work that was done. And also for the ladies who who come in and clean each week. We appreciate that also. There are no other announcements. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 5. Psalm 5, the first uh, eight verses. Um, As soon as I get there. Hear the word of the Lord. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But I, by your grace, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for this privilege that we have to enter this place and to worship you. Though the nations rage, though the leaders plot in vain, you, by your great mercy, bring us into this place so that we can worship, so that we can rest, so that we can be reminded that we are reconciled to you. And so, Lord, remind us that you are here with us. Remind us that we are here to worship you, whether we worship you through singing, whether we worship you through the reading and the teaching of the word, or whether we worship you through prayer, which we do now by praying as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take Bible songs, that green book there in the pew before you. Our morning prayer today comes from Psalm 5, and that is our first Bible song, Bible song number 9, Morning Prayer. So let us stand and sing, although we will sing restrainedly, but let us stand and lift our praises to God by singing Bible song number nine.
Please be seated. Hear these words to lead us into confession. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. In light of the fact that we stumble and fall around this law against idolatry, Let us take some time to confess before our Lord and Savior. As we learned in Sunday school today, we were God in his faithfulness and in his justice forgives the sins that we confess before him. Our scripture reading today comes from Psalm 37, a psalm of David. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright, but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of the many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. 
If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Now is the time where we take up our tithes and offerings, where we are reminded of the call that we are to give our tithes and offerings. We have a basket here, another uh, plate out in the entryway, where you can mail your tithes and offerings in. God and Father above, we do thank you for all that you have provided for us. We thank you for homes, for jobs, for friends, and for family. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship by returning a portion of the finances that you have given to us so that your name might be proclaimed and so that your glory might shine into the darkness of our world. Please use what is given today. Please use what is given throughout the week so that your gospel, so that your truth, so that your wisdom might be proclaimed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, we will lift our voices in song. Please take the hymn book and turn to hymn number 269. Jesus calls us. No matter how loud the storms of life get, Jesus calls us to rest in him. So let us remain standing and sing hymn 269, Jesus Calls Us.
Brasília. Early in the church's history, it developed a formula, a formula of summary of belief, and that formula became what we now know as the Apostles' Creed. And so we join with those who have gone before us in declaring what it is that we believe. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. A couple prayer updates as we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Mariana Harvey has been having some issues with an abscessed tooth, so please be praying uh, for her. Today's also her birthday. So if you think about it, extend to her birthday wishes. Um, and remember our other shut-ins as they are uh, even more isolated than now. Remember most of our culture right now, many people are hyper-isolated from the rest of the world around them. And that is causing many, uh, it's causing mental anguish in a lot of people. And so please remember that and lift up those who are um kind of hyper-isolated from everybody. Roy goes in uh, to see to see his cardiologist about having his back surgery, and so that's the next step in his process, so be praying for that. Um, for Katie, Ratliff also as her MS is flaring up, and she'll be traveling to Morgantown for treatments for that. Um, and for Sadie as she travels with her. No, it's, she goes to Green Bar Valley. Oh, Green Bar Valley, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mis- misunderstood. Um, but still, be praying for Katie. Yeah. Okay. So be praying for her and for that. Um, and then for Katie or Sadie's own health issues also. Are there any other updates or prayer requests? We Lucas will be starting at a barbershop over in Beckley, so we praise God for that. And um, his next step is to take his uh, boards, so we pray for that and for a smooth move and transition. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for this opportunity that we have to pray. We thank you for the fact that the God of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who sustains all things, the God who holds all things together, wants to hear from us, wants to be the God of his people, the God who we come to to bring our requests, to bring our fears to bring our thanksgivings, our anxieties, our joys before him. Prayer is something oftentimes that we take for granted as we rush through it in the mornings or in the evenings, as we um, think this is just one thing we need to check off of our list. We take for granted the reality that we stand before a holy, before a sovereign, 
before a glorious, before a powerful God who desires to hear from his people, who desires to know that his people trust him, who desires to meet his people in the midst of their need, in the midst of their difficulty, to meet them with his power, to meet them with his glory, to meet them with his rest, to meet them with his forgiveness, to meet them with his comfort and the knowledge that we are his children, that we have been moved from a position of slavery to sin, to a position of heir and son or daughter of the living God. Lord, we should desire to enter your presence. We should desire to seek your face. We should desire to seek your power in our lives. And we should desire to know close you. To know the closeness of you. To know the nearness of you. To know your presence in our lives. We do that through prayer. Or forgive us for being flippant and for praying for too little at times. For not bringing to you the things that weigh heavily on our lives, not trusting you with them. Or we pray for this virus and we confess that we have not prayed hard enough for this virus. And we ask that you not only lessen its effects, not only slow it down, but we pray that you eradicate it from this world. Where we pray for the struggles and the difficulties that we go through in our lives, those things that we hide from ourselves, those things we hide from our family and those things that we think we hide from you. And we ask that you fill them with joy and that you take them from us. Lord, help us to rest and to trust in you in our prayers as much as we claim to in the rest of our lives. Help us to know your goodness and your grace in our lives and take from us those things that stand in the way of us knowing your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, we confess that we do not pray enough for your church. We do not pray enough for the ministries of your church. And when we do pray, we pray piddly little prayers that have no hope and no trust in them. And so, Lord, we ask that you take the sword of your word, the shining glory of your gospel into the darkness of our neighborhoods, into the darkness of our communities. Break the chains of drug addiction. Break the chains of addiction to pleasure. Break the chains of whatever it is that that keeps our world in darkness. Do so with the power of your gospel as only you can do. And help us to remember that before you work in your church, your people fall to their knees in prayer to you. And so lead us to pray for revival. Lord, we remember the times where your word has burned like a fire through our culture, through our country. And we long to see the manifestation of that power once again. And so, Lord, break through into our world. Break through into our hearts. Break through into our neighborhoods. Break through into our homes. Break through into our church. So that we might see the world on fire for your gospel. 
so that we might see lives changed, so that we might see hearts drawn to you, so that we might see sinners turned into sons and daughters of God and brothers and sisters of us, so that we might know the power and the fire of your gospel. Drive us to our knees in prayer so that we might desire to see your gospel grow, so that we might desire to see lives changed. Help us bring our prayers, our petitions, our anxieties, our hopes, our fears, our dreams. Burn them away so that only the gold of desiring you remains. Desiring your glory. Desiring to see the world worship. Lord, we know that one day the nations will bow. Knees will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Thanks be to God, we have the opportunity to do that now through the power of the gospel. Not merely because we see your judgment and your wrath and your holiness revealed, but because our hearts have been changed by the work of the Holy Spirit to see that we are in desperate need of a Savior who is our Lord. So Lord, help us to proclaim that good news. And forgive us, forgive me for holding it back. Lord, may you bring revival to this church. May you bring revival to this community. And may you turn our passions toward you. Help us to pray more. Help us to pray in trust and in knowledge that you will reach your hand down. You will rend the skies and you will powerfully work in this world. Forgive us once again. For not taking prayer seriously, because it is the power of revival. It is the place where we repent. It is the place where we turn to you. It is the place where you begin to work in your people to bring about your will here on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we lift up these issues that we have said. We praise you for Lucas finding a job I praise you for helping him find a place to live over in Beckley. And we praise you that you will continue to walk with him and that you will strengthen him to be a barber who honors and glorifies you and proclaims your name. Lord, we lift up Mariana and ask for healing for her. We ask that you give her relief from this abscessed tooth and, and, and continue to walk with her. We pray for Ben and other young people who are suffering under the weight of this extreme isolation. And we ask that you speak the peace of your presence into their life. Speak your glory into their life and help us to find ways to reach out. to, To not be so inwardly focused that we forget that there are others out there who are isolated, who are alone. And who need a friend. Who need the love and the companionship of another human being. And so, Lord, help us to reach out in a way that is, that is safe, but also glorifies you. Lord, we lift up Katie and ask that you give her relief from her MS and be with her in her treatment. So I pray that they would be effective and that you give the doctors wisdom and guidance in her treatment. We pray the same for Sadie as she awaits having and receiving her tests. We pray for Roy and ask that you give him safety on the road back and forth to his doctor 
and give him a good report so he can have the surgery that will bring him relief. We thank you that Kermit is on the mend. And Lord, all the things that weigh down upon us, we do ask that you fill us with your joy in the midst of them. Remind us of the glory that awaits. Remind us of the glory that makes all of our, all of our tribulations seem as nothing before, before the glory that awaits for us. Help us to rest in the hope that is ours, that sure hope that rests upon the foundation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you hear. We know that you answer. Help us to be satisfied and content in the way you answer and to rest in you, to take upon ourselves that yoke that is easy and that burden that is light. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs chapter 6 today. Uh, We looked a little bit last week at words and at wealth and how God brings us those through wisdom and asks us to use that in wisdom. We're going to circle back around to those today, mainly the words. Um, I'm reminded as I go through Proverbs, um, the need for repetition through Learning through repetition. I I had a chance several years ago um, to tutor some 10th grade age students, and I tutored a math curriculum, Saxon math. It was Algebra 2. I know this is weird, but I kind of enjoyed it. Um, But Saxon taught in a way that was kind of a almost a circular way of teaching. He would introduce a, um, a subject. He would teach it. And then he would move on to the next subject. But after a few lessons, you'd circle back around and you'd kind of work your way circling through each of these different topics and subjects, learning a little bit more, filling out the subject a little bit more as you went along. And Proverbs is very much like that. Solomon is going to circle around through different things quite a bit, through different themes. And so today we are picking up once again the theme of words and a little bit on wealth as we begin in chapter 10, verse 17 of the book of Proverbs. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. What the wicked dreads will overtake him. What the righteous desire will be granted. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The prospects of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous, but it is the ruin of those who do evil. The righteous will never be uprooted, but the wicked will not remain. The the righteous will never be uprooted, but the wicked will not remain in the land. 
The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse or twisted. Let us pray. Lord, you are the God of light. You are the God of life. You are the God of wisdom. Lord, impart your wisdom to us as we study these words today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we read and study through the book of Proverbs, we are going to cover a whole bunch of different subjects, and we're going to cover many of them multiple times as we go through the repetitive cycle that Solomon uses to teach. But let's keep in mind that as we go through all these different cycles uh, multiple times, these different subjects, that the overarching theme that we are looking at in these chapters of Proverbs is the theme of wisdom versus folly. Will we choose the wise life or will we choose the foolish life? Now Solomon's going to use different terms for wisdom and folly as he does today. He uses righteousness and wickedness. Righteousness for wisdom, wickedness for folly. But the overarching theme is the same. Will we choose wisdom or will we choose foolishness? And that leads us to the question, how do we know what someone has chosen? How do we know what we have chosen? Is there a way that we can know? Is there a test that we can take to know whether or not we should call someone wise? And yes, there is. One of the things that Solomon is doing is reminding us is that while wisdom is something that grows inside of us, it's something that is an internal process. It has an external manifestation or it is revealed through our actions. Solomon is going to deal with things like work and family and marriage and community and all different ways in which we can show that we have wisdom within our hearts or foolishness as the case may be. And so today, Solomon is going to highlight wisdom and blessing by focusing on speech and a very little bit on wealth. Today, as we look at how wisdom manifests itself in speech or in how folly manifests itself in speech, I hope to see that the pursuit of wisdom brings God's blessings of fulfilled hopes and the stability of permanence. And therefore, we should pursue the wise speech that brings life. First, wisdom and wisdom in speech. Solomon introduces us in today's passage in verse 17, where he says, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. We know from this introductory passage that he who heeds discipline not only finds the way to life himself, but also can show others the way to life. To heed discipline, heed is a listening word in the original language, but much like the other listening words that Solomon has used so far throughout the book of Proverbs, listening is not merely just allowing sound waves to bounce off our eardrums. Listening is hearing, learning, and applying the knowledge that we have. And specifically, the knowledge here comes through discipline. It comes through correction. It comes through stumbling and falling, being corrected and being picked back up. It's the job of parents to discipline their children. Discipline is not merely punishment. Discipline is that process of teaching your children how to live life wisely. It's the giving of rules. It's the keeping of rules. It is at times, sometimes the punishing for the breaking of rules. 
but hopefully children you are hearing these rules and learning and understanding that your parents are trying to teach you how to live a wise life but the one who follows folly is the one who ignores the correction and not only ignores correction in his own life or her own life but leads others astray for the wise person who heeds the correction there is life that is given through discipline. We find also that wisdom is marked by the fear of the Lord as that, that covenantal name Yahweh is referenced three times, is given to us three times in today's passage. As we see in verse 27, that the fear of Lord adds length to life. The blessing of the Lord in verse 22 brings wealth without trouble. And then also the way of the Lord in verse 29 is a refuge, is a stronghold, is a fortress for the righteous. Wisdom is marked by those who walk in the way of the Lord. And the wise life is blessed by the Lord. And we'll look at two of those blessings here in a few minutes as we see realized expectations and the blessing of security or stability. And then Solomon gives us the test here of how to tell whether somebody is walking in wisdom or is walking in folly. And it very much centers around the mouth, very much centers around the words that we use and how we use those words. He says that he who conceals his hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Whenever we are angry with someone, whenever we have hatred in our heart towards someone and we try to hide it, we oftentimes find ourselves lying about it. We oftentimes find ourselves saying things like, oh, oh no, it's okay. You, we're fine. Our relationship's good. Everything's okay. Um, but with that little tinge of that little uptick at the end that, that kind of gives the other person that hint that, well, maybe no, something isn't quite right. But then that face-to-face -face lying turns to slander, to where when we're away from that person that we harbor anger or hatred in our heart toward, we say bad things about them to other people. We, we, we commit reputational murder as we gossip about them, as we say untrue and hateful things about them. We begin to show that we are following the way of folly rather than the way of wisdom. Another way we see speech in the fool and in the wise is in the abundance or the lack of abundance of the words we use. What's the best way to respond to somebody that attacks you verbally? Sometimes it's just to keep your mouth shut and to take it, especially if it's untrue. We we way too often times in our culture, in our world today, spend our time answering every single offense. But we usually answer offense with offense. We don't just try to speak truth into an area. We try to one up the offense. And what does that do? That just causes a cycle over and over again. Sometimes you see online or you read or you hear something that is a personal attack. The best thing to do sometimes is just to let it go. Let it 
go right over your shoulder and keep your mouth shut. Sometimes when we're asked for advice, the worst thing we can do is open our mouth. It shows an unwillingness to think through a subject. It shows a desire to be heard over being life-giving. And so sometimes if somebody asks us for advice, we just need to say, hey, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. And sometimes the the correct answer is even, well, I'm not sure I have the knowledge necessary to answer your question, but, but let me help you find it. So the fool uses an abundance of words to hide his hatred, to hide his intention. But the wise person shows restraint in their speech. The fool only knows twisted or perverse speech, whether it's the twistedness of anger or whether it's the twistedness of perversity. This fool's speech is only twisted and used to manipulate and to twist. Genesis 6 remind us that man's thoughts, humanity's thoughts, apart from the heart-changing work of God's Spirit, are only evil all the time. And the fool embraces that. The fool runs toward that and allows that twistedness of his speech. Whereas the wise person will cultivate wisdom in themselves and in their speech. They will work to untangle their words so that the words that they give are nourishing. The the, the cultivation there is is an agricultural word. It's it's a word that shows that we remove the weeds from our speech. We, We seek to inform our speech with truth, with righteousness, with holiness, with God's law, weeding out those areas where we tend toward or we're tempted toward perversity or twistedness. And we cultivate wise speech. The fool's words lead to death, both for himself and for others, whether it's eternal condemnation or whether it's just leading people to the death of conscience or death of culture. The fool's words lead to death and to death alone, while the wise person's words are words of life. The right and proper words bring good and wisdom to those who listen. The fool's words will be cut off, while the wise person's words will be remembered for a long time. And because of wise words, because the wise person shows restraint in their speech, because they seek to cultivate wise and life-giving speech, because they seek to nourish others with their speech, their speech is considered to be as choice silver, as fine gold. People seek out their words. The person of little speech is the person who has wise words to give. And sometimes even the fool can be thought to be wise. Dad always said, and I think this is probably actually came from a proverb in the book of Proverbs, but he always said it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove people right. A man of few words is a man of wise words. A woman of few words is a woman of wise words. And it shows a heart of wisdom when our words are wise. So what are the blessings that come from wisdom that that Solomon highlights in today's passage? Not only is wisdom shown in our words, but wisdom is also shown in our blessings 
that come along through our words. And the first blessing we see is the blessing of realized hope and expectations. What do the wise hope for? What do the wise expect? Well, we're told that the wise delight in wisdom. They delight, as we're told in Psalm 37, in the things of God. And as Psalm 37 says, God will meet the delight, the desires of the wise with what they desire. Now, this is contrasted with the foolish or the wicked who take delight in doing mischief. Verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. That word finds pleasure is the same word from Isaac in Genesis. And it's a word that means laughter. The fool laughs to do evil. The fool thinks it's a joke to do evil to somebody else. They take great pleasure and laugh about the evil that they do. But a man of understanding delights in wisdom. A man of understanding finds his joy in pursuing wisdom. And we're told in today's passage that God will give the desire for wisdom to those who seek it. The wise see their desires, their delights and wisdom granted. God will give them more wisdom. God will give them more of himself. But the foolish or the wicked will be filled with the dread of their consequences. We have an innate desire within us for the things of God. We were created with that. We suppress it. We push it down. We hold it back. And the more we do that, the more we also have an innate dread of the consequences of suppressing. And that expectation will be met. Those dread consequences will fall upon the wicked while the wise will see their desires for, grant, for wisdom granted. And the wise will see their joys come to pass. We have a hope, an expectation of joy when we pursue wisdom. It's a rightness with God. It's a rightness with each other. It's a reconciliation of things that are broken and we can expect joy. And God will grant that expectation. But the pursuit of joy that the wickedness have will come crashing down. It will be thwarted. It will be cut short. And we actually see this in this really weird, seemingly out of place verse that happens in the middle of today's passage, which is verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send them. It just really doesn't seem to fit until we understand that it's a picture of the desires of the wicked being thwarted. Imagine, if you will, during this time, having been out in the field all day and instead of coming in after a hot day of laboring in the field and getting a nice tall glass of water or glass of iced tea, you, you reached for the glass of wine. You're expecting this sweet, fruity, refreshing swig of wine to, to abate your thirst. And you know what happens to wine if you leave it too long? It turns into vinegar. So imagine expecting to get the joy of a refreshing glass of wine and taking a large gulp of vinegar. That's the picture of what will happen to the wicked. Or maybe it's been a long day and you're hungry and you're hoping that your wife has the fire going or your husband has the fire going in the house to prepare that dinner for you that will sustain you and strengthen you after a hard day of labor 
And you come in to find out that he or she left the flue closed when they started the fire and the house is full of smoke and there will be no dinner tonight. That's the expectation that the wicked have. Or imagine that you own a business and you entrust your business to an employee as you go off on a long trip. And you find out when you got back that he was lazy and he ran the business under the ground and you no longer have a business or a livelihood now that you're back from vacation. That's what the wicked can expect. So the expectations of the righteous will be met by God while the expectations of the wicked will be thwarted, will be seen to be nothing. The second blessing we receive for the wise life is the blessing of permanence or stability. We see that the fool in verse 25, the wicked is washed away when the storm comes, but the righteous stand firm forever. Does that bring to mind another passage in Scripture? Maybe from Matthew 7, 24 through 27, where Jesus says the righteous are like the ones that are Firm on the rock, their house is built upon the solid foundation. And when the storms come, nothing can do anything to the house. But the wicked are like those who built their house upon the sand. And when the storm comes, the house is washed away. For those who pursue wisdom, not only will their expectations be met, but they will be well founded upon the foundation that stands firm forever. The foolish will have his life cut short while the Lord brings years to the wise. The foolish stumbles over the way of the Lord while the, while the wise find refuge, find protection, find strength in that very same way. The foolish is met with exile, we're told. He loses the land while the wise find a permanent home in God's promised land. Solomon was not only trying to teach his son wisdom for his son's sake, but his son would one day be king. And the kings, each king as they came to the throne, were given a copy of the book of Deuteronomy that they were to copy for themselves. So they would have their own copy that they had written out on their own. And that that process of writing helps to internalize the things that we learn, the things that we write. As an aside, if if you want to... Um, increase the effectiveness of something you're trying to memorize. Write it out. Don't just try to memorize it with with your voice, which helps, but write it out as well. And the reason that the king had to keep the law was because God had promised that they would be secure in the land as long as the king, as long as the people kept the law. And yet, they would lose the land if they broke the law. And so we see here Solomon reminding his son that the pursuit of wisdom is the pursuit of God's law and means that you will be safe and secure in the land. The foolish, however, is met with exile and is, a, and is kicked out of the land and has no permanent home. And the reality is, as we consider these blessings, the, the fulfilled expectations, the, the stability uh, Some of these blessings, their ultimate fulfillment is pushed off until the age to come. We do live in Job's world where testing comes upon God's people to develop eternal treasure. 
We live in the world of the preacher or the teacher of Ecclesiastes where the dreams of the righteous seem to come to the same vain fate as those of the wicked. But God will meet His people with the fulfillment of their desires. And He will meet that fulfillment permanently in the new heavens, in the new earth. And so do not despair. Do not give up hope when life here seems to be the opposite of the fulfillment of our desires for more joy. God will meet that desire in the new heaven and the new earth. The reality is that the internal growth of wisdom, the internalizing of God's law will work itself out in our speech, in our life. How do we handle our speech in our private lives? Most of us do pretty well here. But how do we handle our speech in our private lives? How do you handle your typed speech on social media and things like that? How do you respond to people? Do you respond with with lies driven by hatred or do you respond with life-giving words? I think one of the best places, one of the most important places for us to show our wisdom and restraint of words is on social media. I think it's too easy for us to say really harmful, hurtful things on social media without consequence, without having to restrain ourselves because we don't suffer the physical consequences. If I had said some of the things to friends, actually, I guess let's flip it on around this way. I'll I'll take the greater sin upon myself. If some of the people had said to my face when I was growing up what they've said to me online, it would not have been a good afternoon for either one of us. But we learned restraint because there were consequences. We have those consequences taken away, but we still need to learn the restraint of wisdom because even online, even on social media, our words need to be life-giving. They need to be true. They need to be kind. They need to be loving. Yes, we can call out untruth online, but we need to do so in a way that honors and glorifies God. And we also need to understand that the blessing of wisdoms are not ours apart from Christ. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so it takes Jesus and the power of the Spirit to begin to work in our heart, to bring about our desires, to make our desires not for our own glory, but for God's glory, not for our own wisdom, but for God's wisdom. And so we should pray and desire that God grows through His Spirit, His wisdom in our heart. Are we pursuing God's wisdom? Are you known as someone whose words brings life or bring difficulty? And are we resting in God's blessing? Do we delight in growing in God's wisdom, knowing that he will bless us with a realized expectation, with the stability in life that we need, or are we fearing the judgment that will come because we delight in doing evil? Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for speaking to us through your word. We ask that you would help us to pursue wisdom in the words that we say and help us to remember that when it seems that our desire for your glory is being thwarted, that you will meet us with stability and with met expectations for your glory and for your joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our closing hymn today comes from hymn 312. We give thee but thy own. All that we give to God, he has first given to us. So let us stand and sing hymn 312. We give thee but thine own. blessing upon you, the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.